Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod. We're coming to you live from a place in my house and from a place in Traven's house. Uh, we're so thrilled to be here with you at this point in the game. Um, and such a privilege to, to be here to, to share this moment in time with all of you. It, it We're live right now. I know you guys always like to know when we're live, live, because we did a few recorded shows last week, but we're live right now. It is June 17th. I always have to check and make sure, but it's June 17th. It's a Thursday morning. We're like almost officially summer, but I think it's summer for pretty much everybody here in the United States. And I'm so excited to have an opportunity to be here with you guys. You know, part of the reason why we went uh, to recorded shows this last week, you know, I don't like to take time off. It's not my thing. But um, we took some time off because my son had just turned 18 and he was graduating from high school. And I just want to take just a second to talk about that because I know that a lot of you have graduates and I just think it's so important to celebrate things as you go. By the way, um, you can be chatting with us right now. We are live on several different formats. In particular, we're live on our homepage, autism-live.com. We're live on Facebook. We're live on Twitter. And we are live on YouTube. And if you are on Twitter, YouTube, or Facebook, it's super easy. All you have to do is write in the chat on those platforms and it shows up right here on my screen in real time. If you're writing in on the chat on autism-live.com, it is not an interactive chat, and um, that's really for people who are watching uh, recorded versions. And if you want to leave a question, we do collect all those. And if you have a question, for instance, for Dr. Grampichet on Wednesdays, Ask Dr. Doreen, that's where I get my starter questions from, is from right in there. I do want to remind everybody that we don't have the ability to answer all of the questions that come in at this time. That breaks my heart. We try to do as best as we can and get back to you when we can. But I encourage you, be persistent. I do personally curate and look and I go, oh, that question's come in twice. Move that to the top of the list. So feel free to be persistent. I, you know, I always say you have an opportunity to just get mad at me, which is always available and feel free to do that or be persistent because what I 
you know, the core of my being as a human, I want, I want to help you. It's just that we are, we have more questions than we can possibly handle at this time. And so it becomes like Sophie's choice, you know, I mean, none of us wants to do that, but that's the reality. So please feel free to write in and be persistent, right? You can always email me directly at s.penrod at autism-live.com. I do my level best to get back to my mail in a timely manner. Won't say I'm perfect because uh, we get in, inundated sometimes. So s.penrod at autism-live.com. But in any case, it is our fondest thing to participate with you guys. This whole show is meant for you. And when I say you, let's be clear about who I'm talking about. This show, our mission is to provide information and inspiration to the autism community. And that starts with individuals who are on the spectrum themselves, but it includes everyone who loves them. So that could be teachers, that could be parents, that could be siblings, that could be spouses, that could be children whose parents are on the spectrum, right? It could be doctors, absolutely anybody. I'm saying hola to Alicia and to Amanda. So great to have you both here with us. Uh, and that's how you do it, you guys. You write in, you say hello. And I love to play romper room and say, I see Alicia and I see Amanda. Uh, anyway, so thrilled that you guys are here. That's how you do it. So just a second to wax poetic about my kid, because I think that this is an important thing that uh, you guys who watch the show know that I have this amazing child who he's not a child anymore. I've said, I, I am the parent of an amazing man who, there we go. Um, who is now 18 years old. And uh, he was diagnosed with autism at the age of two. At that point, he was considered largely nonverbal. He could make sounds. And I like to be really specific about this. He had been speaking in sentences, lost all ability to communicate using words. He still could, this is important, he could still say sounds and he could still say some words, but they weren't purposeful for language. So he would say dog, 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 like a million times a day to the point where I wanted to just like stick my head in the oven, right? Um, but it wasn't because he was looking at a dog, because he wanted a dog, it was just a perseveration. But it's an important distinction to make because it was a, a base on which they could grow language. But my son had the benefit of starting early intensive behavioral intervention, which is why I talk about it here all the time with you guys, really good quality ABA intensively, not frogging around intensively, which means 40 hours when a child is three, 40 hours a week. And I know it's like clutch your pearls because that's a lot, right? And I remember when they said it to me, I was like, you're out of your mind. He's he, he was just turning three. And I was like, that's a full-time job. He needs to be a kid. He needs to play in mud. He needs to do all those things, which were very true. But he also needed a 40-hour quality intensive ABA program with really good experienced people leading it. We found that at the Center for Autism and Related Disorders, which is why they're called CARD, the Center for Autism and Rel Related Disorders, which is why I wax poetic about them all the time. Uh, because my child came in and people were telling me to just basically ride the flow and look forward to having him maybe be potty trained. That's basically what was said to me and that I needed to let go of the expectation, any expectation that I had. And the only people who didn't say that to me were Card. Card said, come in. Um, he's behind for lots of reasons, but he's a very smart little boy. He's behind, let's get him caught up and let's never let him fall behind again. And that sounded ever so much better 
that to me then let go of all expectation and, you know, just see what happens. And, and I also looked up the science on it and said, yeah, no, I'm going to do that quality ABA thing, which has been shown to be wildly effective. So effective that a couple of years later, insurance said, oh yeah, we're going to have to cover it because it's so effective. Okay. So anyway, that was our story. My son did five years of intensive behavioral intervention and we did a lot of things after that too. And we did some biomedical stuff to shore him up. And the whole time through all of it, the thing that kept me going, because it's hard, right? It was hard for him. It was hard for me. It was hard for, you know, sometimes it was hard for the people who worked with him because he went through phases where he hit and did different things. But, you know, it was hardest for him. Let's be honest about that. But as a mom, watching your kid do something hard is hard, right? And on days when it was the hardest, I always thought about, and I talk with you guys about the fact that when our kids are struggling to learn how to walk, like sometimes they'll fall and they'll hit their head, right? Um, but we don't say, well, that's it. We're just not going to teach it to them. You know, bring in the wheelchair. We're not doing the walking thing. We don't do that. We keep trying because we know it's worthwhile. And I think that all teaching, um, if it's compassionate, and that's really an important point to me, has times when you get frustrated. Um, and there were those times, right? And it, it was hard. It was hard to watch other kids who were going to Gymboree and it was no big deal to them. And my son was doing 40 hours of ABA. Hard, but great. But the whole time, any time that a day was hard, I would picture in the future, I talk about this all the time, I would see us standing there with him in a cap and gown and me saying to him, we did everything we could. And knowing in my gut that that was true. And over the years, you know, as I've shared that when I go and talk places, um, you know, I, I, I share that moment. And then all of a sudden I was like, and that's just four years away. And that's just three years away. And that's just 18 months away. And that's we're, you know, six months away from that. And then that happened last Friday night. We were taking pictures. And uh, the smartest thing I did was I hired somebody else to come and take the pictures because we had his 18th birthday the, the week before. And guess how many pictures mama got? zero. So (laughs) I hired a friend to come and take pictures. And um, she took pictures and uh, so good. And, you know, we were all done taking the pictures and he had to leave to go be so he could walk out onto the field. And I said, wait a second. And I stood there with him and I looked him in the eye and I said, I'm just so proud of you. And I just want you to know that we did everything we could. And he and I both cried because he's heard me say that. And it was the moment. I haven't been able to look at the pictures because I know they took pictures of that too and I can't bear to do it. But then, you know, he went and he graduated with honors. Yes. Um, And one of the guests that was with us, we were only allowed to have four tickets. And so it was my husband and I and my niece that I'm very close with. And we had one other ticket. And the person who came with us was um, the therapist that I've talked about before, who was the first therapist that ever came to our door who was really our autism whisperer. And uh, we hadn't seen him in a couple of years, but I said, you know, do you want to come? And he came and um, he, I I don't want to tell on him, but I haven't said his name. So I guess it's okay. He cried like a Girl Scout. Um, And that's part of the reason why I think it's important for me to talk about, because even the therapist who like, you know, did, did the most for us, cried like a Girl Scout and said, look, look at how amazing he's doing. Look at, and there were all the whole ceremony and afterwards, he was like, look, 
look at that thing that he could do that we worked on when he was three. Oh my gosh, look at that. Oh, I remember working on that with him when he was five. Look, it's, it's totally his. And the moment that slayed him the most was after graduation, they were standing and there was a group of friends and um, you know, you get separated from your graduate. The graduates all, you know, they walk out and you're someplace else. And then you have to go and meet them in this huge parking lot where everybody was trying to social distance and have masks and everything. And, uh, but um, there were a group of five guys at that point that all had their arms around each other, that everybody was taking pictures of them, all grins, you know, cause they had lost their masks by that point. But um, all, you know, everybody's taking pictures of them. And my son is in the middle of this with his buddies and, and our therapist uh, from way long ago was like, look at that. That's everything. Like the graduating with honors is amazing, but look at that. He's got friends um, that are close friends. It's the picture that everybody wants, right? And then my son saw one of his other friends across the parking lot and yelled to him and said, hey, David, come here. You got to get in this picture. And that slayed uh, our, our therapist. He was like, okay, no, I'm all the way done. And he was crying like a Girl Scout. Um, so I feel that it's important. I know that there are some of you who are, are hearts hurt to hear that story. And believe me, I have survivor guilt that, you know, I, I can think of one really good friend who's like, oh, I didn't get to have that. And I, and I know that that also is true. And I'm sending you love and I'm putting my arms around you. But I have a responsibility to say it to those of you who have the young kiddos who are deciding right now whether you're gonna fight for your 40 hour program or whether you're gonna settle for less. And you're the people that I gotta to talk to because I gotta tell you, it's just the most worthwhile thing you will ever do. And that if you're on the fence and you're like, well, school said they should do preschool, but you know, my ABA provider is saying that I should do 40 hours, but they can't even give me 40 hours because they're short staffed. I'm just gonna tell you to put on your hip waders and get to fighting fight for the 40 hour program. If you have to go like out into the world and recruit people to be therapists at your ABA provider, whatever it takes folks, whatever it takes. And I know that there are self-advocates who are watching who your heart is hurting to hear me say that because you're not fans of ABA and I'm putting my loving arms around you too. And I'm telling you what I always say, which is, you know, ABA is a teaching method. And there are bad teachers out there and there are people who don't do ABA with compassion. I totally agree with you. Um, I, I don't think for a second that your experience is not valid. In fact, I try to elevate your voice and, and to say to parents, don't let what happened to your kiddos, what happened to these folks. But I'm here to tell you that there are good teachers out there and there are good ABA professionals and there are compassionate ABA professionals. And that's what my son had. Was it frustrating sometimes? Yes. Did he ever get frustrated? Yes. But if you talk to him about it now, he says to you, frustration never killed anybody. And frustration is what, what happens when things are about to change. So I was taught to not prevent him from being frustrated, but to teach him how to deal with frustration. And that has served him well. So that's what I wanted to say about that. Then on Monday, we went to Disneyland and I promised uh, to mention this. And it was the last day that masks were required at Disneyland because otherwise I would not have gone. And because I'm still wearing my mask out in public. Um, but I love me some Disney. 
I just want to say that it's, you know, it's the tale of two cities and it was a moment in time at Disney. So I don't know what it is like today at Disneyland, but I will tell you that if you are taking a child with any kind of disability at all, whether it's autism or something else, if there are special needs, I want to encourage you to utilize everything that they have at the park for that because their general ability to cope is hampered. Now, um, for instance, if you are going there and you want your child to be on a gluten-free, casein-free diet, I'm going to tell you, you got to bring food um, and bring a phone charger because absolutely everything you can't, it's like so difficult to purchase anything or get on a ride without your phone. Everything is through the app and it sucks your battery like instantly. So bring phone chargers. Um, there was one, at one point, and my son doesn't have a, you know, we don't consider him to have a disability anymore. So we didn't get the disability pass. We didn't do any of that, but we just wanted to eat. I am a gluten-free vegan now and he's gluten-free, dairy-free. And you can't order that on the app. And all of the food was on the app. And I had to throw a hissy fit. And finally, they sent me to one restaurant where the most fabulous chef in the world, Jojo, Jojo, I just love you so much. Uh, was so kind, so compassionate, said, no, 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 we've got you and took care of us. But that was after we had to stand in the sun for uh, an hour with this woman who was telling me, oh no, you can't, I, I you know, on the app, it, it's, you could choose a gluten-free meal or you could choose a milk-free meal. You couldn't choose a gluten-free milk-free meal because, you know, people only have one allergy. And when I went and I said, can I speak to a team member? And that was a nightmare. And she came out and, and she was, and I said, you know, this is a problem. Can I just order it? And she was like, no. And uh, very not the Disney way, this woman. And, and she, at one point I was like, well, but we have multiple food allergies. So what would you recommend? You know, this is not my first customer service nightmare. I know how to ask the question. And she was like, well, it's COVID. And I said, yes, I think. I think we're all aware of that. And I understand that you're struggling and, but we, even though it's COVID, we still have food allergies open. And she's like, yeah, but you know, that's not going to work. <laughs> so, and I said, that's not the Disney way. <laughs> and I said, so think about it for a second, second and give me the Disney answer. And that's when she was like, well, you know, you could try over at the, the Riverbell, which is where I found Jojo. Um, so anyway, don't, uh, don't give up, but bring your own food is, is my advice to you and do, if your child qualifies or if you qualify, get the disability access pass. Although I'm just going to tell you it's, it's not super, uh, easy right now because they've got different protocols in place. And so it's sort of like they threw out the old system. Good luck. Uh, we did still have fun at Disney. Okay. Uh, I got to go through the jargon really quick because we're going to have Bonnie Yates in just a few minutes. So, uh, but again, welcome. I'm saying hi to Renee and Elvira. I've already cried off all my makeup for all of you. Uh, but Parker, thank you so much. Uh, saying congrats to Jem. Um, we're, we're having a good time. Okay. So please write in, please write in your questions. Please feel free to bring up other subjects. I just needed to get that off my chest, but now it's time for the jargon of the uh, jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey nani nani are those experts talking about? First, we give you the actual definition. Then I promptly make as much fun of it as I possibly can, as is fitting 
the, the jargon and the definition. Then we give you a working definition, which often makes the experts break out into hives. I think that's fair play because their definitions make us break out into hives. But then I try to give you an example so that you get a beginning understanding. But be gentle with yourself. If you don't get it, it's okay. We, we cycle back through these every once in a while. And you'll at some point, it starts to click. I know this because it did for me, and I know many of you write in and say this, that you'll see it and you'll go, oh, 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 that's that thing. What was that called again? Ah, so today's term is one of my favorites because you know that uh, I love me some toys and I love play as a teaching method. So today's term is functional pretend play. And I love when we take the joy of play and we reduce it to jargon terms that sound like something you could dissect right? Functional pretend play. What in the hey nani nani is that? Let's take a look at our actual definition. Let's see if we can poke fun of people who make play really clinical. Using lifelike objects in a purely functional, socially conventional way to imitate or act out common action sequences. I think that's about as dry as a stick in Texas. And any of you? Uh, I also love definitions when we go, oh, it's functional pretend play. And then what do we do? We put the words uh, functional back in it. So just in case we didn't know what that meant, we still don't. Uh, okay, so not very useful to us. And I don't know what common action sequences are. That's, that's as vague as can be. Let's take a look at what our working definition says. It's playing with toys that are lifelike in a lifelike way. Now, remember, we used to have toy stores. Remember the many aisles, right? But there was always in a toy store a functional pretend play aisle. This is the aisle that always, like, I remember being in my 20s and going, what is up with this toy aisle? I had, I was a great aunt. I, my sister had twins and, um, and, and then a third child that were all within 11 months of each other. And I was a really good aunt. And I would go down this toy aisle and I would be like, what seriously is this toy aisle about? Because it's where they have like the play cash register and they have the play vacuum cleaner and they have the play food sets. And I used to look at that and go, that is just like ridiculous. Who wants to play with that? That is no fun whatsoever. But it is literally a functional pretend play. So it's pretend play. Pretend play is when we're playing make-believe. But it's sort of um, the reason why I didn't get it was I was jumping to the next step of play, which is imaginative play and symbolic play. Um, and, and this is when we get into creativity in those next two steps. But the step before that, if we have a child that isn't quite getting to the symbolic and the imaginative play, the real make-believe stuff, where you just all of a sudden, you know, you pick up your phone and you go, this is a car, beep, 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 and, and you make, you know, and, and do that with the phone. Some kids are like, mm, nope, that's a phone. Uh, so we have to get the first step in first, which is functional pretend play. This, I call it the, the, the safe way to fail for your kids. So, you know, and it's one of the things that it does is it teaches them how to learn through observation, which is like the core of all learning. 
So let's say dad is vacuuming and, you know, the child wants to be like dad. And now they have, you know, they could pretend and pretend that they were vacuuming, right? But that's a really advanced skill. So the intermediate is they have a pretend vacuum cleaner that lights up like a vacuum cleaner. It might have little pop things so that it looks like it's doing something. It might make a little noise. It's got the handle, right? And they go vroom, vroom, and they're doing the vacuum cleaner. This teaches all kinds of social skills and it teaches I'm going to be like mom or dad or my friend that's vacuuming. I'm going to do the register like the way they do it at the store. And now I get to take on the persona. This helps with flexibility. This helps with um, perspective taking. Uh, and think of all the other things that you can learn too. Like you can learn numbers from the cash register too. But let's just talk about the pretend play sets for a second, because a lot of our kids on the autism spectrum have food issues and food selectivity issues where they won't eat certain things and are, in fact, traumatized by some food. Um, a great way to start to desensitize them to that is to have functional pretend play. Now, a lot of times the really cheapest stuff that you can buy um, it's uh, that like plastic and some it's such thin plastic that you can like take a plastic apple and squeeze it. Uh, and those are perfectly okay. As long as they're non-toxic and you're getting them from a good reputable company, um, totally fine, right? But there are more advanced versions that you can do other things with. So for instance, my son, um, we, back then, uh, before you know, we started being a little healthier, we would eat at Subway a lot. And so he had a Subway backpack. So he was doing, and it all had the Subway logo on it and it helped him. He became a sandwich maker and he would stack the sandwich up just like the guys he saw in the Subway store, right? Um, super cool. But Melissa and Doug, one of my favorite, favorite toy companies, because they make really good quality, um, they feel good toys, but they're wood, they're built to last. They don't, um, you know, uh, they're not the kind of toys that you dump immediately. They're kind of toys you hand down to the next generation. So I super love that or to the next older kid, you know, in the family. But the other thing that Melissa and Doug that, that, that they do as a company is they make something about the toy be super functional, not just functional, but super functional. So they have some food sets where you can actually cut. There's like a magnet that holds the bread together and you have the knife and the knife separates the magnet and you're slicing bread. <sighs> Love it. There's, you know, ones where you can do the cupcake and you put the that you build the cupcake and you put the frosting on and then you put the candle on and then you can blow out the candle. Um, all these different things. So we super love uh, the Melissa and Doug things. And then there's another company that's called Pop Over and it's O-H over, Pop Over. Um, and we featured them in our toy guides the last two years. They make fabric foods which I think is super wonderful because a lot of times, especially since we're really nervous about um, germ transmission, you know, if you're doing the plastic stuff, a lot of times kids will mouth them, which, you know, we don't really want them mouthing toys, but it's food and we're pretending. So, you know, you have the sandwich and you hold it up and you pretend. And sometimes a lip touches a thing, right? And you can disinfect the plastic things, right? But what I love about those popovers, they're weighted, they feel good, and they go in the washer. 
which I super duper love. Um, so uh, love the functional pretend play. If you can find a toy store that you can go in and go down the aisle, it's like endless. There's so many things in the functional pretend play that are, I think are super fun. And it really bridges the gap for our kids to get to that creative play. Um, I encourage you to play with your kids and, and sit down and do the play food and do all the things and then mind the eating. Blah, 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 blah. We, um, you know, we've seen over the years that kids who are traumatized by food, uh, if you make it fun, then suddenly they're easier to do that. Um, okay, so we got a couple of comments and questions while I was talking. Um, then I'm going to go to the question. Hi, my son has autism. He talks, but repeats most of what he says. So that's called echolalia. Um, and it's a good sign because if you listen to, um, a typically developing little kid, they will say those things too. And I was saying earlier about how my son would say dog, 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 and that it would drive me crazy, but it was a great basis because it meant that he had the ability to have the signal go from his brain to his lips and his lips were making the sound and all of that is oral motor. It just needs to be shaped up and the echolalia needs to be made functional. Um, we see a lot of kids that will just repeat one line from a movie. If you think about it, for people who have social anxiety and go to parties and they go, I just don't know what to say to people. And if you go to a counselor for it, a counselor will go, well, let's just come up with a couple of things that you could say, like, hey, you know, how about this weather, right? That's the joke that everybody's, how about this weather? Or how about those Dodgers or whatever? They give like six phrases to the person as an entree to conversation. What we see for our kids on the spectrum is that they take that from what they know. So they watch a Disney movie and they'll say that because they know they're supposed to say something, but they don't know what to say. It's a form of communication. And when you're working with good ABA and a good speech uh, uh, SLP, a speech and language pathologist, they'll shape that into conversation um, so that it will be okay. I, I know that the echolalia thing, it makes you go, uh, I'm not gonna survive this. Um, but if you're working with the right people, you, it's a phase that you'll move out of and go on to other things. It's hard. And the longer you let it be, the harder it will be. So, um, I encourage you to, um, uh, have that looked at. And, and I see that you say most of what we say, he just repeats very common, very, very common, but help get him that good support. I was checking out Skill's website and got caught up with all the videos and saw you with long hair. Oh my gosh, I have had some hair. I, I, I used to have really long, curly brown hair. Um, I don't think I've had that since we've been on Skill's, but I had brown. And I sometimes I've had my hair longer and sometimes I straightened it. I've given up. I've t entirely given up. Uh, Dr. Doreen talked about making our kids medically feel better. Can you recommend me a doctor that will actually help my son? Is there a website with a list of doctors that I could choose from? And somebody else said, are you speaking of Dan doctors? I want you to know that Dan was disbanded. Um, there were, there was a lot of issues that Dan, um, the, it was a group of doctors and there was a research group and they they wanted to go separate ways. And there was also the self-advocates were saying Dan stood for defeat autism now. And the self-advocates said, that sounds like you want to defeat us. And, and everybody got a little bit more enlightened in their language. And so Dan was disbanded. 
And so the division of researchers went off and became IRARI, which is Autism Research Institute. And you can go to their website and see all kinds of great things. And then the doctors went off and became MedMaps. So if you Google MedMaps Autism, um, you will find the list of the doctors. Um, that Those are doctors who know more about autism and treating autism than your general pediatrician. I just want to caution you when you go to the MedMap site, realize that all of them are different. Like some of them are uh, osteopaths, some of them are neurologists, some of them are psychologists, some of them are pediatricians, some of them are immunologists, and some of them are like, there's one doctor that's a sports medicine doctor who's great, but you need to know what you're looking for. And so you, you don't go to the hardware store looking for spaghetti and milk. If you're seeing a lot of neurological issues, you might want to look for a neurologist. If you want this person to take the place of your pediatrician, then you should be looking for a pediatrician. Um, you know, I have my faves. We've talked before on the show about Dr. David Berger in Florida. Um, but MedMaps will show you where people are all over the world. They're just concentrated in some places more than others. Um, and then I encourage you to have that person work closely with your pediatrician. And if you're going to be doing the biomedical stuff, please, 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 I want to recommend that you go to TACA, the Autism Community in Action. Um, that's T-A-C-A-Now.org. Go there and join. I think it's like a $27 membership per year. It's so worth it. It's going to save you so much money on so many things and so much time. But um, join and get yourself a mentor. The mentors are parents, parent mentors who have done biomedical intervention with their kiddos. They, they will help you to know which questions to ask, how to get yourself together, because the MedMaps doctors are expensive and a lot of times your insurance doesn't cover it. So you want to maximize your time with them. The mentor will help you to do that. Okay, so Taka now. Okay, moving on to our question of the day, because we're going to be late for Bonnie. She's going to be here any second now. Uh, question of the day is, what are your summer plans? Do you have summer plans? I, you know, I, I do a separate um, group. Um, and last week I did a whole presentation with them about summer and, you know, how to, how to do the summer and have it be fun and educational. If we have time, I want to try to squeeze that talk in sometime in the next week or so here, but I want to give you the highlights of it. it you know, no matter what age your, your favorite individual is on the autism spectrum, I want to encourage you to make a schedule and to have it be something that is visual on a phone. It could be digital or whatever, but make a schedule. If we, if we plan, uh, if we fail to plan, we plan to fail, right? But also the anxiety that comes with not knowing what you're supposed to do um, or what to do is really, really high. And we're already seeing that with this reentry of people going back to some semblance of normalcy, um, and the masks, no mask thing, that anxiety is high, that people not on the spectrum are having meltdowns when they're someplace and their mask is off. And there's just a lot of anxiety right now. And we don't need to add to it. Remember, if you're going someplace in a car and you don't know where you're going and what, what, what your first stop is, what your last stop is, and when you're going home, you're going to get exhausted. 
You're going to be like, I just need to know where are we going? When are we going home? Please afford that right to the people that you love on the autism spectrum. Like it could be as simple as you write down on a notepad, just like when you make your grocery list, whether you do it on your phone or you do it on a, on a notepad and say, you know, today we're going to go here. We're going to do this. This is what the thing is. I tried last summer. I was like, my son is too old. He doesn't need this anymore. I don't need this anymore. We've got this. And then it was like, no, no, you need the visual schedule. So please, please, please do the visual schedule. Somebody says, hello, dear Shannon. I emailed you about my nephew. They live in Switzerland. I'm not, not sure if you got the email. I, I do not I do not recall seeing an email about Switzerland, but I'm going to double check. Um, but if you wouldn't mind, send it to me again because, it, and I'll check my spam filter, but I don't recall having seen that. Um, and I, I don't like it if, if I haven't responded to you. Um, okay. So, uh, but do, do email me again. I don't see Bonnie. Do we have Bonnie Traven? And, you know, it may be, uh, I don't know if you have her email because Bonnie hasn't been with us a while. She may need the, the link again, if you could email that to her, because otherwise she would be here right now. Let me see if she's texted me and said, Shannon, yeah, she can't get on. Are you able to email that to her, Trayvon? I'm hoping that he has that email. Um, he's got it. Okay, great. So, all right, so let's let's take a second then, since we've got a minute until Bonnie's here, um, to talk about what else I was saying to people with summer plans. That not only is it really super important that you make a visual schedule, but that you build into it some amount of choice and that there has to be fun. And the best way to schedule something is to start with the things that you're absolutely immovable on, that you're like, mm. now for me, when my son was doing ABA therapy, I was immovable on that. I understood the importance of him getting his therapy. And so that went on the schedule first above everything else. Um, so you move, you put the immovable stuff on there. The immovable might be your job, right? The immovable might be church, right? Whatever it is for you, but you put the immovable stuff on first. And then the very next thing that you put on is fun. And then you have to make room for like eating, like the necessities, eating and travel. Like if speech is immovable, you put that on there, but then make sure you add the travel time for it. Yeah. Um, and, and so you build the schedule that way and that you make room for choice. So if you put like, you know, we're going to do fun time at 2.30 today, but, but then, then you give your, your child or your teen or your adult a choice. Would you rather go swimming or would you rather go for a walk with the dog um, so that the choice is theirs? But we say fun time because we know that that's going to be the category that we're going to do right then for fun time. The other big thing that we have to do during summertime is that every once in a while we have to, we've done all this planning, we do the visual schedule, every once in a while we have to throw the schedule out. And, and, and that we do this verbally, that we say, you know, okay, we're supposed to do math during this time, because we know that, you know, the child needs to be caught up on something for the fall, but instead we're going to go get an ice cream. And the reason why we do this is to teach flexibility and because, um, you know, cause that's hard for some of our kids, right? So we, we do this mindfully and we do it vocally. We don't just throw the schedule out. We say, I think, you know, it says math here, but I think we have to have fun just this once. 
right? And this is going to mess things up. I, I'm going to tell you, some of your kids are going to have a meltdown. And then later on, you're going to be like, Shannon, why did you tell me to do this? Because the next time we had math, they were like, I want to go get the ice cream, right? But these are important lessons to do during the summer because you think this doesn't happen at school, that they have the visual schedule and they say, okay, it's time to do this. And instead we're going to do that. I'm asking you to do it with something that's a highly preferred activity. Do the fun thing over the other thing. Sometimes at school, they're, you know, they're like, I want to do the fun thing, which is on the schedule. And instead, we have to do a fire drill, which is not fun, right? So we have to learn it the other way first. And summer is the ideal time to do that. And I'll tell you what, it helps to build trust that they get through it with you and that, um, that sometimes we just randomly get to have fun. Those are the things that you will remember. I do think that summer is the ideal time to get our kids caught up educationally on anything that they missed and to get ahead on anything you know that's about to come. I brought up the times tables. If you know that your child is in the grade, they're in the summer before they're supposed to do the timetables, hit the timetables this summer. Um, it might be the summer before they have to know the state capitals. Like, be aware of those things and add them into your program. Bonnie is here and we're going to welcome her. Bonnie Yates is a special education attorney with Tolner Law Offices, and she is amazing. Uh, I'm saying hi to Joshua in Newark. Hey, Bonnie. Hey, I'm sorry I'm so late. I couldn't figure it out for whatever reason. Well, so, I did not send yeah. you the code. I you, uh, you hadn't been here in a while, so I didn't send you the code. So thank you for being here. We appreciate having you here. I was just saying you're a special education attorney with Tolner Law Offices. Tell us a little bit about them. Toner Law Offices is uh, based in San Jose. We have 10 attorneys, I believe. We do special education, disability re uh, discrimination, regional center stuff, conservatorships, you name it as it relates to disabilities and special education. Um, we do this show to try to educate you about your legal rights as a parent with a, a child in special education or person in special education. The law is intended to be um, something that you can access and understand. It's not supposed to be out of reach the way parents um, understandably feel as it's gotten more formalized over time. Anyway, we give general advice on the show. It's not specific to a problem that you may have. If you have that kind of a problem and you're in California, we'd ask that you give us a call. We'll set up a free consultation for you. If you're not in California, we'd recommend you to find a lawyer out of state. People get much more and they do better in these disputes if they're represented by an attorney. So we would refer you to COPA, www.copaaa.net. And they have a list of, of attorneys in the 50 states. And I would have a conversation with one of those people. I just think you're gonna end up a lot better off. And probably with that, we can jump right into our discussion. Um, you had sent a question about about um, about comped, which I'm going to have you read. But yep. but before you read it, I just want to say, you know, uh, I talked to a new attorney this morning, and I I said to her that last year was weird because I'd been a special education attorney for a long time. But all of a sudden, because of COVID, everything changed, and I had a sense that I didn't know what the rules were anymore. And she said it was interesting for her as well, because she works with much more experienced attorneys. She's not inexperienced. She's been doing this for five or six years. I don't remember. But she said she was working with attorneys that had you know, 
been doing this for many, many years. And she said for them, it sort of leveled the playing field because everybody was having to figure out what happened. So I shared on the show a couple of weeks ago that I went to a mediation and I, and I talked about how it was becoming really obvious that the district's view this period of time since March 2020 as some, something, uh, a time period for which they have liability because they did not materially implement people's IEPs as written, which is the standard that they have to um, abide by. And the mediator said, yeah, well, that's because the districts all thought they were going to get a free pass during COVID. And then the federal government said no waivers in April or May. And so all of a sudden it was too late. The damage was done. So if you have a case because your IEP wasn't implemented from March 2020 forward, and you probably do have a case if you have an IEP, you might want to consult an attorney. So I said to this attorney I was speaking to this morning, the one with five or six years, I said, I guess the districts are looking at it now like, well, what they want to do for the next year or so is get a waiver from the client because they know they have liability. She goes, well, it's actually more like two years. So, so the districts, the districts are settling cases. They're settling them without filings for due process. It's a good time. It's a good time to get in line and get your swag, guys. You know, it really is. It's not. This isn't going to happen again for a while. I hope. Is it me though? Lockdowns. Right. Is it me though? I feel like um, the 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 first step with the school district though is that they're trying to gaslight parents and be like. No, you can't have anything. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Go away. And that you kind of have to show them some muscle, I feel like. Yeah. Is that- I'd say it depends. I'd say it depends. It depends. Some of them are fighting on. Like, I have this one case, and I really think it should settle. But it sort of stands out because the other cases that I have, it's like, um, it's a good breather for me because it's so hard to do special ed. It's so exhausting. There's so much fighting. This is like my fighting break. Or I'm just making settlement after settlement. So, but, enjoy I, it but I feel like work. part of the. I'm sorry. Go, you go ahead, Bonnie. Well, I was going to say enjoy it while it lasts, folks, and get an attorney. Yeah, I anyway. think that's the most important takeaway: is to get the attorney. <clears throat> Excuse me. I feel like if you get the attorney, then it's time to settle. So I think the attorney well, is super worthwhile because you need to know what your case is worth. Yes, I agree. But I think that if you don't, it feels like they're not, that they're, like this question, I feel so bad for this parent. Uh, Let me read it and then everybody will see what I mean. Can I just say one more thing before we get to the question? The other thing they're having real trouble with is um, they needed to have an, an IEP meeting for every kiddo to get them back into school. And they also were required to, to write an emergency plan in the event that school is is uh, shut for more than 10 days. So um, there's case law that says that those emergency plans can't be generic. If, if you look at yours, it's probably totally generic. So that's another basis of liability. And then with respect to the evaluations that they've done uh, since um, attempting to kind of get back into this. Let's just take LA Unified. Because of their politics, they didn't do any face-to-face assessments. So they did IEPs where the assessment report would itself say, this is probably not a valid measure of the student's ability because we did this over Zoom. Or this is probably not a valid measure of the student's ability because we're relying on data that's two years old. 
So the, the IEP I want to talk about um, after we get through the question is an IEP where the district wrote me and they said, we want to have a meeting to offer you comp ed. And I thought, huh, that's a trip. This has only happened to me once before at the IEP level. And that was, you know, 20 years ago. So after we get through the question, I want to tell you what happened at my IEP where they offered comp ed. Okay. So the question was, and I, I feel like I'm hearing this in so many different ways from parents, but this uh, caregiver wrote it and said, my daughter's school made no attempt to provide the services in her ARD, like speech, OT, et cetera. I didn't know because she was back at school. I found out by accident. I have asked for comp ed and they said she is not eligible for summer school because she did so well this year. And we believe that this is because we hired a tutor. What do we do now? We are in Texas. She has global delays and an ASD diagnosis. Well, you know, it's a material failure to implement the IEP and that's the standard. And you, you know, you have to show that you, that there was educational harm, but I wouldn't worry too much about that. Texas is kind of a tough place, but I think if you get a lawyer and there are good lawyers in Texas, I think you will be able to get comp ed for her. But it sounds like they're, it sounds like they're, uh, they're stalling to see whether you're going to give up and go away or whether you're going to push through. So whether well, it's a failure to implement the IEP and the student get, didn't get um, the rest of their services, I don't really think a hearing officer is going to buy it. Like, oh, well, you didn't need an aid because you had your mom. Oh, you didn't really need speech therapy because you got it through Zoom. Districts are really afraid of taking those cases to hearing. This district's just bluffing. That's what I think too. But there is this weird thing right now that there are some families that were getting such, I'm just going to, you know, like, I, I'm sure that the school was trying to do their best, but they ki the kiddo wasn't getting something that was of educational value to them because we know this because the child stayed home for a period of time, six months or a year and had mom or somebody at home, or in some cases like this family hired a tutor and all of a sudden, these kids made so much more progress. And well, the then, schools are, are hanging their hat on that. If they What's want that? to say they can't have it both ways, if they're saying that they made so much progress, then the argument is the prior IEP was not appropriately ambitious enough because the expectations and the goals for a year was surpassed in three months or whatever it was. They can't really get out of this, you guys. That's what they I feel like. It's just but it feels like a shell game. It feels like a shell game. Like they're saying Janice to the. It's always a shell game. <laughs> well, I don't like to think of it that way. I'm a former teacher. We're, we're supposed to go into the classroom and want to help educate our kids. I realized COVID most, was different. Most, Shannon, most people are not willing to be fired over a principal. So most people are not going to go into an IEP and go, yeah, the district's lying to you. I'm not comfortable with that. Yeah, they're right. going to do yeah, what they're absolutely. told. You know, I mean, so, I, could get, I could get way out there and say, look at how many people opposed the German government during World War II, but I'm not going to go there. But you know what I what I have been telling people lately, my like little thing of the week is after all these years of doing this, the thing that makes districts most uncomfortable isn't arguments about the facts or the failure to uh, offer FAPE or the failure to make the student progress. The thing they're most uncomfortable with is I go in there and I lecture them on how the system is broken and they're complicit in it. And because they won't offer FAPE at the IEP, they're taking 
much more money out of the public school system than if they would just do the right thing now. They are really offended by that. That's what pushes their button. I Well, I think it, the answer is get a lawyer, everybody. And and I know as Shark said, you're not going to be able to do it on your own. I agree. The power. Don't let these people act like they like you're a second grader. You know, absolutely. Here. So tell us what happened. Okay, I will. I want to read something first, though, because I like to, I like to have things to read. So just quickly, when compensatory education is an appropriate remedy for a denial of FAPE, courts and hearing officers may apply a variety of factors, including principles of fairness, to reduce or enlarge the amount of the award. So in other words, Compensatory education is generally defined as educational services above and beyond that normally due to a student under his state's education law. While compensatory education is not a remedy expressly identified in the IDEA, courts and administrative hearing officers have awarded it in appropriate circumstances by exercising their authority to, quote, grant such relief as the court determines is appropriate. State educational uh, agencies may also award compensatory education, state educational agencies, uh, if they determine such relief is appropriate in a particular case. So that means CDE, like in California, California Department of Education, if you make a compliance complaint and they file, and, and they find that the district's out of compliance, they can make an order for COMPED. So that's something to know. Anyway, um, COMPED should, should aim to place disabled children in the same position they would have occupied but for the school's violations of the IDEA because it's an equitable remedy, principles of equity and fairness come into play and may impact whether COMPED is awarded. For example, if the parents acted unreasonably in let's say um, preventing assessment or something, that might be used against them. And the courts tend to use one or two approaches. They either give you day-to-day -day services, one for one missed, or they, they give you services based on the totality of the circumstances, but they don't have to give you day-to-day -day services. But right now, right now, we are getting day-to-day -day services. So just um, one more thing, and then we're gonna talk about my IEP. So the US Department of Education addressed, quote, compensatory services, unquote, in its COVID-19 guidance. Um, the obligation of districts is to proactively provide services to address lost services students experienced during the pandemic-related school closure. Following any school closure or the exclusion of a student with a disability as a result of COVID-19, each student's IEP team and as appropriate 504 team should decide whether the student needs compensatory services. Okay, so that's, that's, that's what we're talking about. And this IEP was really bad, and it's not even really confidential, like a settlement agreement. I can't say the family's name, but I'm going to say the district, and I'm going to tell you what happened. It was LA Unified. The dad is an attorney. He went to the administrator at the school site in October 2020 and said, my son has autism. Here's a report showing that he has autism. He's being treated currently by a behavioral agency and I want him to go to public kindergarten. So please, um, how do I start the process? And the administrator said, we're not doing initial assessments right now because of COVID. So let's, let's, let's just like digest that. 
we're not doing an initial assessment. In other words, we're not doing the assessment that would get a person who doesn't have services services because of COVID. So I so he was referred to me by his ABA provider, and and I kind of scratched my head and called somebody that I know in litigation support in in the district. And I guess what I want to say is it's super useful. In, in a place like LA Unified, if you have anybody inside there that you can talk to because they can give you the real poop. So he said, that's totally illegal. I don't want to be like overt, but I will work behind the scenes. So he called her and he said to her, you need to assess this kid. Okay. So then what happened was some time passed and she wrote him and she said, like, we will be sending you an assessment plan when we get caught up. This was around the beginning of December 2020. But right now we're backed up, so we can't do this assessment for you. We'll be in touch soon. So I went back to him again, and lo and behold, she generated an assessment plan, and the dad signed it and returned it two days later in December. So... Um, I was really hot and bothered about all this, and I brought it up a bunch when we finally did have our IEP in April. So if you ask for an assessment plan in October and you're not having your IEP till April, that's more than two months of missed services. But anyway, because um, I publicly shamed her at the last IEP meeting, she said, she wrote me and she said, I want to have another IEP meeting to offer comp ed. And that was really unusual. I was just assuming that I was going to have to file for due process. So I was kind of like, hmm, I wonder what this animal's like. And I thought, well, I think I'm not going to really say too much to her. And then when we go into this meeting, I'm going to ask her all the questions about how she delayed. Right? Right? Because I've got I've got my recorder going and a bunch of people there. So she she admitted, she admitted that she did not process the assessment request in time. And I decided not to, I decided to save if I needed it later, the fact that I'd actually had to go to somebody inside the district and they'd had to, you know, to wrist uh, slap her twice. Uh, I decided that even though it would have been satisfying to have her admit that she was really actively violating the law, I decided to let it go. So then they had some special administrator that came in who um, I'd never seen before, and she was in charge of the comp ed award. They tried to claim that it was only two months. I told them, I said, no, it's at least three months. And I said, but you know, if you won't agree with me, I'm going to do process anyway. So it'll, you know, whatever we can't do here, I'll clean up. So here's what I got, compensatory speech. A whole block of compensatory behavior to be used flexibly at camp or whenever the parent wants. Um, I didn't get OT because he doesn't have OT needs. Then they gave me assessments. They gave me a neuropsych. They gave me a functional behavior assessment. And they gave me a speech IE. And, and so that was like my little, you know, red letter day where I actually got something for somebody at the IEP. So I'm still going to go to due process because I want to get more and I can get more, and, and I also have other issues related to the, to the process itself, like LA Unified never names who the non-public agency is going to be, which is kind of important to discuss. They say they can't discuss it 
at the meeting because it gets decided by some outside committee, which is illegal because the parents don't have any input. So I do have to go to due process, but it's just really a cleanup thing. It's not, it's not as if I have to go to due process and establish liability in the first place. So that was my comp ed IEP. Second one I've had in my career as a special ed attorney. Fascinating. We, um, we've got about 30 seconds here. I want you really quickly to tell us how we can get a hold of you at Tolner again. Tolner Law Offices, uh, we're on the web. We have a form you can fill out for the free consultation. Got a lot of attorneys so we can help you. And we've got a lot of attorneys so we can stand up to the district. That's the other funny thing I wanted to tell you if we have time. So this special person that was there to award the comp ed says, um, boy, you guys have a lot of lawyers now. And I said, yeah, you know why we have that? I said, so that you guys can't push us around and we win all our cases. And he said, well, don't you already re win all your cases? And I thought, Bonnie, just like, don't, you know, don't blow it. So I said, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> love it. Love it. Uh, Bonnie, they've written in, uh, somebody's written in and said that they uh, saw you uh, on, the, there's a movie, Recovered, and they didn't realize oh. your circumstances. Um, that was a long time ago, but uh, yes, you can see Bonnie okay, in the still, film. I'm recovering. still recovering. I'm still recovering from autism. I'm going to spend the rest of my life recovering from autism. Having a child <laughs> with autism is a, is a it, what's it, a trial by fire. But your child with autism, who is way an adult now, is an amazing adult and is a success yes. story that we, that we yes. all look to often. Um, he's leading his own life, so we don't we don't want to say things that you know disclose who and how no, he is. But I mean, he's, he's 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 a neat he's a neat guy, and he's got his own personality and his own life, and that wasn't something I was sure he can have. So, and that is something that he has, and other children can have, and that's why we fight for these services. But but he has a full life too. I mean, like anybody, you know, he's. Uh, like got a great job and is engaged to be married and is very happy individual. Like he's, he's this, he's the poster child for success. If you want to see you know, Bonnie. You know, want, you know what I want to say about that? He's the person who he always was inside, but we had to get the autism out of the way. There we go. There we go. And, and he is a unique, wonderful, fabulous, polite gentleman. Um, and and creative and uh, talented and all those things. So anyway, check that check out recovered, and you can see Bonnie um, in that film and get a deeper appreciation for why she fights so hard for all of you, because she had to do it first for herself and for her child. Anyway, we're out of time, Bonnie. Well, I'm glad you're back. We love you. Uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, I think so. I'll let you know if that proves not to be the case. All right. We'll look forward to Thanks knowing everybody. about that. I appreciate it. Take care. All right. Um, we're back tomorrow with, thank you. Bye-bye. We're back tomorrow with uh, Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. Nancy Allspot Jackson, I believe, is here. I'm going to check with her because everybody's summer schedule is a jumble in my head. But we're here with licensed marriage family therapist Vince Redman. If you have questions for him, send them in now. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one from you too. Bye-bye for now. Say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.